Tech Talks. It's Melissa and Brian and Nancy's with us today. We'll tell you a little bit more about her. But before we get to that, would you please do us a favor and like and subscribe, support us. And if you really enjoy this podcast, please share it with others. We hope that this would be a podcast that's going to lift people up, inspire people to live their best life and um, have a little fun at the same time. Absolutely. So today we have Nancy with us from Unphotoshopped Life. Uh, very excited to have her. So welcome. Thank you. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> All right. So um, we're going to start off a little game today just to get going here to warm it up. We want to get to know the oh, mind gosh. of Nancy. Okay. At least a little bit. <laughs> so we're going to put you in kind of a situational role play. Well, not even a role play, but a situation. A scenario. Okay. Do you want to read the first one? Sure. Okay. So if you're in this scenario, how do you respond? Okay. So let's say you're at a public event um, and you've been mingling with some folks for a while and you're planning on giving a presentation. But before the presentation, yeah, you've been having lunch and, and just chatting with people. Um, and you're, you've been doing this for a few hours. And then you go prepare for your presentation, you go backstage, um, you look in the mirror and you notice that you've had like crusted guacamole on your face the whole time. How do you handle that when you go up for your presentation? Yeah, what's like your opening line, I guess? Oh man, I would blatantly crack a joke about it. I actually would probably be totally honest and say, well, thank you for having me. I've, if you've met me already, I've been walking around with a piece of guacamole on my face all day, but, <laughs> and then jump to the point. Just own it up. I love it. Oh, Nancy. Acknowledge it. <laughs> that is great. Perfect response. Ooh, I like it. Okay. Well, um, to start off into the normal questions, let's just get a little bit of background for our audience. So we've been looking at you a little bit and following you on Instagram, but um, to help our audience know a little bit about you, uh, what region do you live in? Where are you from? Specifically, I'm from Vineland, Ontario, Canada, which is about 15, 20 minutes from Niagara Falls and an hour from Toronto. Okay. Can you say about again? What are you talking about, eh? I said about. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I'm a big hockey fan. Do you like hockey or no? Oh, yes. Toronto Maple Leafs. Who do you okay. play for? Yeah, we're Blackhawks, but Ooh. actually she's Avalanche. She's from Colorado. Okay. But, Avalanche is a little better um, right now. <laughs> yeah. Blackhawks Black are in a bit of trouble. They're struggling. Horrible. Yeah. One, I think one win maybe. Yeah. But um, okay, a um, little about anything else you want to just tell us in general, like so family, interests, hobbies, just a little bit of background information. I am in my second marriage to my hottie husband, Ted. And I brought my daughter into it, Summer, who just had her birthday yesterday. And Ted brought his three kids in who are um, 12, 14, and 16. So we're a blended family of six. And I am weird because I love working out. I could work out all day long. And even though I'm really slow, I enjoy doing marathons. <laughs> but I'm very, oh, very slow. A slow and steady wins the race. Yeah. Summer's always disappointed that I never win, but <laughs> <laughs> she'll understand someday. Interests or hobbies? I'm a massage therapist by trade, but I'm trying, I've been trying to get more into writing. It's my passion. I love it. And this year, I don't know if you've heard of Lisa Turkhurst. She's a very well-known Christian women author, and I got to do a book proposal boot camp with her this year. So 
I'm just loving it. I feel like God's taking me in that direction. And it's, it feels like I'm finally understanding why God made me the way he made me. So right now it's a hobby, but I, I love it. I love it. Awesome. Awesome. Boy. And, uh, if you don't do the writing, we'll maybe hire you on as massage therapist. We always have problems. <laughs> None. <laughs> so you mentioned that you feel like you're finding your purpose in God. So obviously, and we know that you're a Christian influence, influencer. Um, but can you tell us a little bit more about your relationship with God? Did you always, always grow up in a faith community or believing in God? Or did you have um, a, a particular encounter? Probably all of the above. But could you tell us more? Yeah, I I was for sure raised in a Christian home, became a Christian young, and, and it was good. And uh, 15 years ago, I probably would have said everything was fine and my relationship with God was really good. Um, but I got into a um, an abusive marriage. Uh, I was married to a narcissist. So if you know what that is, you know what narcissistic abuse is and um, mental and emotional abuse. And I was in it for five years and kind of segregated from my friends and family and also shut down church life. Um, I had a daughter, obviously Summer, and she was 16 months old when, when the world just kind of crumbled and um, my husband went to jail. Um, my new house that I bought with Summer had a house fire and just a lot crumbled literally within four weeks of each other. And I was on my own as a single mom for four years. Sorry, I'm getting a little emotional. It's a t it was a tough time. And I prayed and like there was nothing technically wrong with my relationship with God. I think I'm someone, I would say, I guess that has the gift of faith. I'm not someone that takes the road of anger. I think I'm almost too scared to take the road of anger. But during that time, someone gave me Ann Voskamp's book called 1000 a thousand gifts and um i had not read self-help books in years based on my dad's advice because he said it didn't help my depression and so this was the first book and i was terrified i read one page and i texted my friend and i said i appreciate it but i'm not going to be reading this book and i put it in a box in the basement and anyways we got married four years ago with ted and I don't know why, but I found myself in chapters in the spiritual section, which I don't know why. I hadn't read a devotional in years. And I saw the 1,000 Gifts devotional, not the book, the devotional. And I thought, oh, maybe I can handle it in tidbits. Maybe the book was too much and I can handle tidbits. So I took it home and it started with just reading it. And I found Anne annoying because she was too positive. But at the end of the book, I decided to go back and she so generously gives you two lines to write a prayer. So I forced myself to write one sentence. And then the next time I went through it, I forced myself to write down three things I was grateful for. And then I read it a fourth time and I ended up needing my own journal book. And that kind of grew into me. That's when I started writing. And then when I did this Lisa Turkers boot camp, you kind of had to solidify what your book was going to be about. And 
looking back on my story, I didn't want my story to be for the purpose of throwing my ex-husband under the bus. I wanted it to be about what God taught me through that terrible situation. And what I learned was that I have made decisions based on who I thought I was or what I thought I was worth. And I didn't think I was worth very much and I didn't think God thought so either. And so through the pandemic, I've very slowly been going through the gospels and I didn't want any pastor's input, no preacher, no commentator, just because I feel like the message in my head was so screwed up and God said his Bible was enough. And I kind of wanted to put that to the test. So I did Mark first and then I did Luke. I've literally just started Matthew. And I think what has blown me away is that God is not this nagging, negative brute um, waiting to get rid of me, which I feel like he always has been. And that everything I did was just my plea to him to not get rid of me yet. Just give me one more chance. And I think through reading these gospels, I realize that's not him at all. Like read the book of Luke and you will not find a negative, nagging Jesus waiting to take you out. And so I think that's where the last two years, my relationship with God has gone in a totally different direction. And I see life in a totally different direction. And so long as I keep doing those things and listening to worship music, which I started doing too, if I stay on that track, I can keep my focus. And if I veer off, I realize I forget who he is. So I don't know if that was too long of an answer, but that's totally been my journey to this point. No, that's beautiful. Yeah, that's really beautiful. Thank you for sharing because it is a journey, right? Yeah. And um, even knowing the the name Israel means to struggle with or struggle, mm. right? Like part of the journey is struggling with understanding who God really is. And, and I love, um, I, I really love Old Testament scripture because yeah. it shows us that like in the Old Testament, God is dethroning these false ideas of what God is, right? The mm. human psyche and soul has an in, inherent and innate belief in God, but we believed all these lies. So we think, oh, well, especially in the Old Testament, oh, God must be this, this mountain, this greater power, this thunder, mm-hmm. right? But God is dethroning all those false gods. And I feel like that's part of Israel's journey and our, our journey as well mm-hmm. as we're dethroning false images of God, our yep. father. And Luke, I think it's so beautiful that Luke is the one that spoke to you because we know that Luke's gospel, he's speaking specifically to women in that gospel. Yes, I noticed that. Out to the women. Isn't that great? I, I go to Matthew now. I'm literally in chapter four. And I'm like, gosh, if Matthew wrote a regular book, I would not buy it because he is all about <laughs> facts and lining up. Like he is not my kind of author at all. But Luke, the part that literally the story that first really grabbed my attention and took it off was when um, he was in somebody's house eating, like a Pharisee, somebody high and mighty. And this woman came in and they told her to get out. And his exact words were, leave her alone, stop bothering her. And I internalized that and thought, that's who my Jesus is. That's who my God is. And when I'm tempted Mm -hmm. to think these shameful, awful thoughts, 
then you need to focus on your Jesus that says, leave her alone and stop bothering her. And I totally noticed all the women he talked to and the women he addressed. That's funny. It's amazing. Yes, totally. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that's the spirit working and showing you that. Yeah. It's beautiful. Gosh, there's so much, so much there. Thanks for sharing the story. I'm just thinking of how many people are going to benefit from just mm. hearing you just put it out there. And that's just awesome. You know, I'm a teacher, so I work with a student yesterday and somehow he got onto like, how long do you want to live? I'm like, oh, 80 years is good. I want to get to heaven, you know, go see God. And um, he's like, oh, I'm not going to make it to heaven. Um, I laugh at too many wrong jokes. And I'm like, I'm a public school teacher. So I couldn't like really say anything. I'm just like, oh, how old is he? Understanding. Uh, I was a high school kid. So, um, but yeah, it's just like so many people have these lies about who got like God's out mm -hmm. to get me, right? It's just like, where does that garbage come from? Probably the devil, but um, just like, that's not it. God, like father, right? Would do anything to get you back. And uh, yeah. so, yeah, just kind of a, I don't know. And I, we had a question. So you said so much there, but I, the question was kind of like, what keeps people in your opinion, like, or even yourself, what keeps us away from faith and why do we doubt God's love for us? You kind of covered some of that, but I don't know if you want to expound. That's, oh gosh, that's a hard question because, um, literally in the last six months, I found out that my brother and my sister are both really questioning their faith right now. One has claimed to completely not believe anymore and the other one is questioning. And it's funny, my immediate response is anger, but I know that the anger is just because I'm scared and hurt and aching for them. And when I think about the journey I've been on the last two years, I almost want to go to them and just plead with them and say, you haven't given it a fair chance. You need to read the Bible. You need to find out God isn't what you thought he was. Like he's, Forget what you were raised thinking. He's amazing. And so a question I've often asked myself is how did God's image get so skewed? Like, how do we not immediately think of him as loving? And I think the biggest thing is we just don't know him. Here's an example with my kids. If he tells you not to have sex before marriage, it's not because he's a jerk. It's because it protects you. If you do this, it totally will protect you in the long run. It's not because he's trying to make your life miserable. And I think that I struggle with the viewpoint of assuming God asks those things to make me miserable. Kind of like that image of someone will say, I don't want to get married. I don't want the old ball and chain. Well, it's not a ball and chain if you find the right person. And if people find the right God and the true God, you'll see he's not a ball and chain either. Did that answer your question? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, I just, there's, you're just throwing so much at us. It's so I'm great. Sorry. I'm thinking of like, just, <laughs> no, it's great. This is excellent. I just think people need to hear your story. It's just, you are just saying it uh, true. So um, I'm just thinking of the freedom found in God, right? So yeah, a lot of people do think that's mm -hmm. rules and restrictions and this and that. It's like, there's a reason the road has white lines and yellow lines and we have a certain speed limit. Yep. Like if it, we did, we'd have extreme chaos and people would be doing their own thing, right? And with a sinful nature, we're going to go towards our own, like, yeah. oh, my way, or, you know, dictatorship on the road. But basically, like, the spiritual life is the same. Like, God has these, a lot of it's natural laws, right? We yeah. have to obey. Like, I have to go to bed. If I don't, yeah, you can stay up, but you're going to have a problem yeah. eventually, you know? Yeah. So it's just like, same with the spiritual life. I think he's given us so many things to follow. And it's not for our, like, imprisonment, but no. actually for our total freedom. When we're we're one with Christ, they're, like, you are limitless in that regard. I, yeah. mean, I don't know if you can add. Yeah. yeah, I think of a few things. Um, gosh, 
in that regard, the spiritual life, I love, again, Old Testament, right? So that's like, that's, I love studying Old Testament scripture and the Jewish understanding of the creation story. And, um, you know, what we see in the first creation story is God takes the chaos, the formlessness, mm-hmm. the void, and he puts order and structure, right? And from mm-hmm. that, life grows, and there's beauty, and there's this amazing paradise, this garden that flourishes out of that, right? So when we see, and I think you're so right on, a lot of times I've talked to so many people, they don't want to be a part of the church, they don't want to, because they just see it as rules and morals, and it's like, well, they come from this place of wanting this beauty and this paradise to flourish in our soul, right? And and when Mm -hmm. um, we do just think about the the rules and like, structure is good but sometimes we can imprison ourselves in structure and rules yeah to totally. not see the fundamental purpose behind them um it doesn't attract others it doesn't invite people into the gospel and it um and, and sometimes i wonder if we use that as um a coping mess mm-hmm. mechanism instead of like surrendering ourselves to christ and um i think a lot i think that i think that rigidity rigidity in in uh, holding on to the the structures and the rules more than why they're there um, yeah. comes from a place of shame where we feel like we have to control a situation because we feel shame and guilt and we don't know what to do with that instead of seeing that it's there for god yeah you're right god's love and protection of his children well and even like um when somebody brought jesus a sick person to the temple on a sunday and they were all watching to see if he was going to heal the Sabbath was created to bring you closer to God so that you became more like him. But now he was confronted with the situation to act like God. And I like when he said, like, what's more important, following the rule or now putting it into action, what we've been learning. And and even over the pandemic, um, you know, you often hear a lot of people talking about my right, my right, my right. And I've often thought, boy, that's just a terrible way to approach life as a whole, because if we only ever do what's for our right, people are going to get hurt if you're not considering anyone else. And I've often, it's funny that you talked about driving or the roads, because sometimes I'll sit at a traffic light and I'll think, it's amazing. Nobody fights for their right on the road. Everybody's willing to sit at a red light and let the other people go and whatever, Can you imagine what traffic would be like if we all did what was for our right? And I feel like God is like traffic lights. (laughs) You're going to get to go. You're going to get to turn. You're going to get to go on exciting drives and whatever. But but there's going to be some guidance along the way. There's going to be some stop signs. There's going to be some caution, curve ahead, slow down, whatever. Like, listen to the signs and you'll still have a great ride. It'll just be safer, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, great point. And I, I think kind of what all three of us are saying or thinking maybe is like the fundamental thing, there are rules. Like I'm thinking in the head about a kid, right? A kid usually, oh, why do I got to go to church? Why do I do yeah. this? Or whatever, anything. Yeah. Why do I not have to lie? Like to them, it's just rules, but they're yeah. missing that maturity. But we might call it that conversion experience where like, well, the reason is because God loves you. Like until they yeah. know and love God. And like, ask for God, show me you're real. Like until they had that experience, it is like most of the world that doesn't believe in God. It's just like, oh, that's a bunch of garbage. Cause they're missing the complete heart totally. of everything. Like why you would do this. It's like a, 
I don't know. Yeah, just so uh, that's just it. They're just missing that fundamental thing. And yep. um, but it really is about love. And uh, it's hard to teach someone that until you have that kind of conversion experience. Like, wow, this isn't actually about rules. This is actually about my good, like for my best. Because it's it's so much about an experience in a relationship. And I remember, um, we had told our kids we didn't want them to say, "Oh my God," and and that was fine. But as they got older, I heard our oldest saying it. And I know when I was a kid, you'd get the strip ripped off you, right? Like you're not allowed to say that. And I tried to think about it and I went to her and I said, I totally get why you're saying it. I totally understand it doesn't mean anything to you. And that's fine. I'm asking you to not say it just because that name means a lot to me. So maybe just don't say it around me because why expect her to do something that she doesn't believe in yet then it is just a rule right like yeah yeah, yeah. you have to show and her the love of god sees... and then and then maybe then she'll want to not use that name like that because she loves him too yeah it's really your witness of saying well i i reverence this name because i reverence this person that i have this relationship with like, mm-hmm. he's not a human person but god is a person that we have a relationship yeah. with so when they see the witness they're like oh it must be important, right? It must be, you know, like it just causes someone to pause and think, think a about little it. bit more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, a lot of people have right, kids who don't believe in God while the parents might. I mean, the parents are older. They've had all this life to have this conversion and maturity. Yeah. I mean, what can we do as parents? I think in the Bible, it just says like uh, they're bringing whole families to be baptized. The idea, like a lot of those kids who came, like they're like, oh, who's God? You know, like yeah. who's this Israel God? But it's like, while you're raising your kids and they're under 18, you do your best. Just like you give them food, you're going to try to give them the spiritual food too. They're not always going to take it. And there will come a day when they're they're older, rational age, whatever that is. Yeah. And they're going to have to like find God themselves. Like that'll have to happen. But uh, we just kind of do the best as parents until then, yep. right? You just try to give them the best, even as they don't understand many things like, hey, shut your PlayStation off. You guys are bed. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> the everlasting screen battle. totally okay so we're gonna move in a slightly different direction so when did you feel like um kind of called and to do like the media process you're going through like so making this more public and kind of what was that discernment process like for you you realize you wanted to kind of push out a ministry sort of that's a funny one because i actually totally hate social media i am oh there's not a strong enough word to say how much i detest (laughs) it and so I didn't have anything till a few years ago, but one of the, so the workout program I do is called Beachbody. That's fine. I love it, whatever. But a couple of years ago, somebody said to be a coach. And so I didn't know anything about it. So I signed up to be a coach, but the whole way that you coach is through social media. So I found this out after signing up. So I was like, ugh. So I created social media. I'm no longer a coach, obviously, because I suck at social media, but I created these accounts, but I ended up started using them to tell my thoughts of the day. I have no idea why. I can't even give you a good reason, but I started to. And then people started responding and saying, you should start a blog. You should do this. You should do that. And so that's when I took it in a totally different direction and started making it about my relationship with God. But it was a total fluke. It was not on purpose. And part of me realized, though, I've always been a very insecure person and often questioned why God made me the way I am because I'm loud 
and I'm talkative and whatever. And through this whole thing, I remember saying to Ted, my husband at one point, I was finally appreciating the personality that God gave me because I think I needed my personality to do social media the way I'm doing it. And I don't know if it's working or not, but um, I, I, that's just been the journey, getting me onto social media and getting me to this point where I'm sharing my story, sharing my thoughts. And I think people have responded. Maybe people can tell right now. I'm not overly filtered. That's why I call it my unphotoshopped life because what I hated about social media was this picture of perfection of moms loving their kids 24 seven. Well, I don't, I have a really hard time sometimes. And Ted and I both came from places where trust was broken. So we don't have a perfect marriage where trust is there naturally. And yeah, so I'm trying to break the mold of social media and just be honest that my life is not always great and there are struggles. So that's my social media journey and my writing journey kind of so refreshing to hear you know because it is social media it does feel like a fake world pretty much you know yeah. in many ways and uh, there are there are good things out there too but oh, um, yeah. you know it's yeah. just like yeah um seeing like a page like yours is just refreshing to me i think a lot of people are just craving the authentic person mm -hmm. um and really just attracted to that just when you were saying that, it reminded me of a story when I was a single mom with Summer. Um, so her dad's not in her life. So when I was a single mom, I was truly, it was just me. And I had started a Facebook account just so that her relatives down south could see her. And, but you have to go on there. And I remember always seeing this one mom who had twins, babies. And she had all these people who would take the twins and they would go on trips and they would go do this and they would go do that. And I remember it just made me bitter because I was like, here I am just trying to get through the day and find someone to watch her for while I work. And this other part person is off living it up. And, and there was nothing wrong with what this person was doing. It's not about the person. I think it was just about my heart and I just don't want, well, I just don't want to make people feel that way. I just think you have to be careful with social media because it can make you view your life like less than, but everybody's life is missing something, whether they put it on Facebook or Instagram or not. Yeah, it's, um, definitely a lot of studies are coming out and showing this. And, um, I work with teenagers and, I see this a lot um, in my work and even for myself, like it's just a huge comparison game. Right. And, and especially yeah. women, we do this all the time anyways. Yeah. I'm sure men, well, I don't want to speak for men, but I'm sure they have that going on too. But, um, <laughs> but like, there's always this comparison. I'm yeah. pretty enough, skinny enough, blah, 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 but even more so. So now it's not just like a, the physical appearance that you see as someone at work and at school, but like now it's every aspect of life, motherhood that we're comparing. Yes. Um, yep. Work life. And then how do we, you know, keeping the house clean and everything on, like you're on your game all the time. And you're like, this is just mm -hmm. um, not a real life situation, but yep. it's portrayed that way. Mm -hmm. I literally yeah. have been embarrassed I still struggle to actually say it, to say the words ex-husband. 
I'll, I'll often just refer to him as Summer's dad or something like that, or my first husband, because that sounds more positive, because I'm ashamed that I have an ex-husband in my life, because it makes me believe too that I'm now less than, right? Like, because I'm comparing, and other people have these good marriages, and here I am walking around with this failure, and I've got, I have an ex-husband. So, yeah, this, that whole comparison thing can kill you and make you feel so much shame oh man yeah yeah i've heard a lot of people say that comparison is the thief of joy and it is yeah. so true yep okay i was interested in just like the community so i'm sure you're interacting as you said with a lot of people through your blog and different things now that you're kind of going more public with this how's that been just that community of sharing faith together and stories war stories even good stories too um how's that aspect then have you enjoyed it have you just been like seeing amazing things and different women and such i've come to love it because um somehow through the boot camp i i didn't know how to follow people on instagram like how do you know who to follow and somehow through that i learned and first of all once you connect with the right people i find i have found a lot of places of encouragement and the other thing is through sharing my story especially about the narcissistic abuse it means a lot to me how many women reach out to me who have also been in that position and are trying to understand God in that kind of a world and how he works. And also, since I also talk a lot about shame, realizing how many women also struggle with shame. But like we said, everyone's putting out this picture perfect persona but behind the scenes so many people are insecure and hurting and if anything I think it's caused my drive to go up to talk more and I used to be so insecure about what my local people would think like oh gosh Nancy's gone crazy she's posting about blah 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 and I've had to tune out my fear of the local people because the people that are actually communicating with me, I'm real, they need this. They, they need this conversation. And so you have to put your own insecurities out and just, God gave me my story for a reason. God gave everybody their story for a reason. And so I, I don't want to waste it. There's things to be learned from this story. So I want to talk about it. So I think it's been motivating me when you hear people say it's helping them, it's changing them. It's, I do these one minute Bible studies and this one single mother said, I never get a chance to read the Bible. So she watches my one minute Bible studies where I talk at lightning speed, um, just to get it in in a minute, but it just makes you go, okay, there's a purpose. Do it again. There's a purpose. Okay. So I just want to ask you a personal question. Where do you find the most connection or unity with God, such as in prayer or scripture? or maybe community writing out my prayers i think mm. writing out my prayers in the morning i'm normally not a morning person oh but there's a few because i would say writing out my prayers and doing like now that whole gospel thing how i'm going through the gospel slow I've often said to God in the morning, like when I'm not working on those days, that I'm looking forward to spending time with him. And I feel like doing that is spending time with him. But honestly, 
praise music is a game changer. I used to listen to it all the time, all the time. And once I got into that marriage, that stopped. And actually my friend who's not a Christian, but she's kind of searching, she listens to worship music nonstop. And she told me about a song by Matthew West, I think is his name, but I can't remember. Um, yep. Is it? Okay, last year. And she played it in her kitchen and I started crying. So I went home and I listened to it. And from that day, I made a decision that that was going to be 95% of what I've listened to because it helps me to, it helps me to not go so far in my depression because you're putting hope in your head the whole time. Or there are songs like if you listen to the radio it can make you feel crappy about your body or your relationship or blah, blah, blah. If I'm not listening to that and I'm listening to positive things, it helps me to approach things just with more hope. Maybe I'm still grumpy <laughs> or not handling the situation right, but there's more hope because my perspective is, or my focus is on something that's more healthy than anything else. So I would say that those three are game changers for me the last year. So we just did a video on gratitude and we we're just talking about how it just gives you these like positive feelings of pushing you yeah. in the spot. But I can definitely, uh, so many different times in my life where I would switch back to Christian music. You just like, after a couple of days, you're just like, you're like in a better state. Like yeah. it is way more positive. Even if I'm like, I'm busy and thinking other things, it's just like flowing through like the sunshine yeah. and it's just like helping me. And uh, sometimes I'm like, oh, I want to listen to more like acoustic alternative. I'm like, it's hard to find a certain, but uh, so I got to the point where I had to like sort of force myself. All right, I'll do three minutes a day, almost as like a fast, like a prayer fast. Okay, Lord, I'll listen three minutes uh, a day. And then I always end up listening more and feel better. Um, yep. We actually just did an interview with Jordan Kelch. He's another musician, a little bit more more my style, but he's kind of chill, but he's Christian. And it's just awesome. So yeah, I don't know. What's your experience? Oh, yeah. I mean, just like anything else, what you, you are what you eat in a sense. And so mm. we're mentally eating this garbage. Um, yeah, it's going to affect us. It's going to yeah. affect our perspective, just like social media, like what we watch and um, the people we hang around. So yeah, I definitely think that music is a huge influencer, better yeah. or worse. Um, well, and my kids, they get so annoyed, especially, especially when oh. we're in the van. They're like, mom, why do you always listen to this? And I'll <laughs> say, I'll say, because it helps mom not to get sad. And I know that they hate it and they roll their eyes, but I'm hoping when they're 30 and they're maybe struggling with their own sadness, they'll go, hey, man, I hated it. But when I was a little mom, used to listen to songs so that she wasn't so sad. So yeah. maybe down the road, it'll be a seed that grows. But right now they're livid at me all the time, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of is a good segue though into our next question, because speaking of youth, right? Like yep. we as adults, it's our responsibility to protect youth and to guide them and whether or not they listen um, or they rebel. <laughs> Um, we know that they're actually taking this in, right? The studies are there. They listen to their parents. Their parents are the biggest influencers, mm. no matter what we think. Um, yeah, the studies show it. But how do you think we can protect our youth, our young people from the lies of the culture and mm. um, from the evil that's just constantly being thrown out to them? And how can we remind them of their dignity um, that they are children of God? Man, that's a really hard question. Um, that's what I'm passionate about, but I'm not sure I have the answer to, um, I had an editor through this, uh, book proposal and at one point she, she was from the state somewhere, but she said, um, 
something like you should you should write a book for uh, teens or young adults, single women or something like that. And we talked about it a bit because I feel passionate about it. So my oldest, Avery, is 16, going to be 17 soon. So she's in the dating world. And the next two are right on her heels. And as I've watched her approach the world, I've actually thought, oh, gosh, I just want to tell her my story because I want her to know she doesn't have to settle. And I think if I think back to when I was a teen raised in the church, because that makes a difference. I don't think it was done on purpose, obviously, and it wasn't malicious or cruel or whatever. But I think I was raised to believe that a woman was Christian successful if she was married and had kids and raised a family and da da da. And I didn't get married till my late 20s. And I felt so much pressure. And everybody else was married around me and having kids. And you in my book, I describe it as you're in a, a stadium and all the married with kids people are on the lower level and all the single people are up on the nosebleeds wondering how can you sneak down to the lower level, but you're not part of the elite. You're not part of the ones court side. And no one ever told me that life can be awesome with God without a husband and without kids. And I want my kids to know that life can be awesome single. It can be awesome married too, but there's a different kind of awesome that can be tapped into if you're single. Yeah, that's, that's powerful. Um, people who've watched the show know my testimony. So I was, we, I got married at 30, what the hell was it? 39. 39. So we just got married oh, wow, years ago, really? basically. Yeah. So all those years of singlehood, um, and I wasn't really dating a lot, <laughs> um, yeah. but I had tremendous peace. And that is because of the Lord. Like uh, it could have been easy to be like, Oh, I'm depressed. I'm not married. All everyone else is, they're all having kids. I'm getting older and older. And, but yeah, that's, uh, it just reminds me when you said that, like our happiness isn't in anything or one other than God ultimately, mm -hmm. like God is number one. If I get a spouse or not, or a kid or a million dollars, right? It's just mm -hmm. like, these things are not going to do it. And yep. it's been proved over and over. You got to have your creator, right? Your father, he's got to yep. be. Yeah. But all the music on the radio talks about relationships and finding the one. And right, like it doesn't, no one's singing no. about how awesome their single life is. <laughs> like, you know, so it's just, it's so hard to make that message more powerful. That life is good, whether you have someone or not. When I was on my own with Summer, she was in the tub. She was just a baby, like two years old. And I was sitting in the hallway watching her and she was playing. And I remember the thought hit me that life was good. And I couldn't say that when I was married, even though I was with somebody. But I could say that now as a single mother struggling every day but life was good it was hard but it was good and i think that was the first time i maybe experienced god's contentment and it comes and goes but um that's a good moment that i draw on that life was really good when thing when when life was not really good so yeah 
That's beautiful. And I think that's a message that um, also needs to be shared with people to know that, like, even when things are hard, life is good because it's a gift and God wants, like, our lives are a gift from God. And when we can recognize that, no matter what the storms are or if it's sunny outside, like, it's inherently good because it's an opportunity to receive God's love that day. Mm-hmm. And um, no matter what the day looks like, there's always that under that undercurrent that's consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't think we hear that enough. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just for our listeners, we're not saying like, um, marriage is better or single is better. It's just the idea of contentment with God. So yeah. even if you're single and you have the Lord um, in your heart, there's, you're still a human. You're still working through it. <laughs> you're grinding. But uh, there's this uh, overwhelming, you know, they're overlaying peace and hope, I would say. Hope is yeah. probably the key word right there. As mm-hmm. opposed to, I have no God. It's dark. There's nothing. What am I doing? Everything's pointless. You know, like there's a different hope. Um, whether you're single or not, you know, life is going to throw yep. challenges at you. We got too hot in the sun. <laughs> <laughs> I am sweating. I'm out yeah, here. We're, we're sweating by this point. Um, drip. <laughs> oh, so yeah, now I see your shirt. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so um, you just mentioned gratitude. Remind me. So I saw on your Instagram, like you had something, a gratitude list. I don't know if that was something you created or others created. It's like a thing that's going around. Do you know what I'm referring to? I do know what you're referring to. That, okay. I don't know where it started. For me, it started with Ann Voskamp with her thousand gifts. And oh, yeah. so she she had in the back of her book a list numbered so that you could count to a thousand. It took me forever because I was not very good at it. But um, <laughs> my goal was to hit a thousand. And then uh, there's a worship song. And I can't remember what it is. 10,000 reasons for my heart to find. Do you know what I'm talking about? And that was very important to me when I was a single mom. And I remember thinking, just look at summer, Nancy. There are 10,000 reasons that you're good. So then when I started doing the San Boss Camp thing and I hit a thousand my next goal was 10,000, that I want to hit those 10,000 reasons. So I'm currently at 6,700, <laughs> but wow. um, I do it every morning. And so on my Instagram, I try to just daily post a few things that were on my list that morning. Does that make wow. sense? That's Yeah, that's awesome. I was like, is she at 6,700? Or is this like a thing a lot of people are doing and she's adding to the list? But that's so cool that that's your number. No, my goal is 10,000. And it's funny, like it's fluctuated. Like sometimes I notice things like um, melted chocolate ice cream or something silly. (laughs) Um, But this has been a bit of a rough week. Blending families is not always hard. I'm not always easy, and I was devastated Monday and Tuesday because one of my kids, stepkids, told me something I was doing that was hurting her, and I couldn't focus right. And then all of a sudden yesterday it hit me. I'm sitting here at my gratitude journal trying to think of things that I ate that I really enjoyed the day before. And then all of a sudden it hit me, why aren't, why aren't you thankful that she told you that? Because that took courage. And she's open to you changing it and making your relationship better. So sometimes I lose that focus, but I'm trying to find the good in the hard, like mm-hmm. not just looking the other way and thinking happy, pappy thoughts, but where was the good in this? And the good was she felt comfortable enough to tell me that I was hurting her. And we had a great talk yesterday about how now we can approach things differently. 
So my gratitude that journal's kind beautiful. of all over the place. <laughs> I love that. I love oh, that gosh. on so many different levels because like human communication, how much, how often do we just go through life and we just brush things under the rug or we're too cowardly to uh, confront someone because yeah. we think it's going to hurt or be worse, but then the freedom that comes and the, and like the the peace that God wants to reign on the world comes through those types of conversations. Yeah, that's yep. so cool. Yeah, and just the that's humility amazing. on your end. We we could all use more humility if someone says something. Our our first reaction is ah, or you're wrong, or I, oh, yeah. I hate you, <laughs> right? But to like break ourselves down and uh, wow, really like that opens the door to so much greatness. Good talk yep. to your daughter and just like a continued relationship that'll continue to foster. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So you've shared so much um, with us today and I just want to get a little bit more from you. Um, <laughs> for our <laughs> listeners, um, what is like, if you could just say like, at this point, um, someone's listening to this, maybe it's a random listen. They've never listened to your anything before um, from you before, or from us before. And we had one bit of advice for them today. What would that be? Give God a shot. Don't believe in the God that you see in the church because the church is just a bunch of screwed up people, myself included. The Bible is a much more accurate representation of who God is. So get in there, just the gospels, just give them a shot and make your decision based off that. Because what you see in there is awesome. What you see in the church is not always awesome. But if you go back to the source, the source is awesome. That's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me of like the church is a hospital for sinners. Me, number one, you know, and, yeah. uh, you know, if, if people set their standards on based on some person who goes to church, it's going to let you down. They're a human. They're not yeah. God themselves. Like we're all still working on it, trying to get to that heavenly state. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, Christ is at the head of the church. And that's why it's sort of survived 2000 years through the yeah. worst of times, even now some horrible scandals, right? But it'll survive because God's yeah. behind it. But it like, don't look to the body. Yeah, there's some great examples in there, saints and such, but don't yeah. like to rely on people, but rely on God. Ultimately, like he's the perfect example. Cause there are, there are t definitely great examples, but if you stare at an example long enough, you're going to find the flaw and you won't with Jesus. <laughs> so great. We just want to say you've been an inspiration to us. We praise God for you. Even before we like mm -hmm. met you, we're like, well, she's going to be fun. And uh, for those <laughs> listening, we said off air sort of, uh, I wish she was our neighbor. <laughs> she seems like she's so much fun to hang out with. <laughs> we might be in Canada soon. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll take a road yeah. trip to Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, I need to get to that hockey hall of fame up there. So in oh, yeah. Niagara, that'd be cool too. <laughs> But um, yeah, I just want to just want to encourage you to keep keep doing what you're doing. Uh, my unphotoshopped life is just like it's just so refreshing, as we talked about mm -hmm. in this kind of a lot of fakeness in the social media world. And it's just like we just want to encourage you to keep going because I think this is going to be so edifying for people. Um, but mm -hmm. our last question is just where we'll put links in the description. But where should people go to find you, to follow you, listen to your Bible studies, et cetera? What do you have like available? My blog is myunphotoshoppedlife.com. And you can sign up there, whatever, if you want. My Instagram handle is life. I do the one-minute Bible studies on Instagram. But then I started doing the longer version on YouTube. So if you want 
me not talking like this for, like, blah, 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 for one minute. You can go to YouTube and I talk normal. And on YouTube, I think I'm under my unphotoshopped life as well. If you look at my unphotoshopped life. And you can email me at myunphotoshoppedlife at gmail.com. I love any communication, any communication. Great. And we're so glad that you have these resources for everyone and you're sharing your story. And um, I really believe that when we share our stories, God's story, ultimately his great yes. story on human history is, is being built and is being unfolded. And so we're just so thankful for this opportunity. And we hope that for you out there, that this was great for you and that you can see a beautiful unfolding in your life as well through healing, through community, and ultimately through the powerful grace that God has in store for you. Mm -hmm. So with that, we want to thank you. We want to bless you. And um, we want to see you next time on Life Talks with Brian and Melissa. Ciao, ciao. Mm -hmm.